you very much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me, Faye. Oh, you're so welcome, Bill. Now I've learned your actual name. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. I felt terrible because <laughs> I just call you Doc on Twitter. Yeah, well, everybody, everybody on Twitter in the Twitterverse calls me Doc, so it's, you know, that's fine, yeah. And I asked you to be a guest, and I was like, fuck, I don't know what his actual <laughs> name is. I can't just call him Doc. <laughs> you could have called me Doc. Nobody would have, nobody would have known otherwise. <laughs> I guess, but I just think it's more of a respect thing, you know? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, thanks. But yeah, Bill, Bill, there's, you know, my real name is William, but everyone calls me Bill, and there's very few people in the world who call me Billy. That's like my wife, my aunt, a couple of my friends, and that's really it. Okay, well, I will stick to Bill then. Sounds good. <laughs> so for everyone listening, um, who are you? What do you do? So my name is Bill. I am the most metal heart surgeon or at D heart surgeon on Twitter. And I'm a heart surgeon in Pennsylvania. And I'm originally from New York. And we're talking because I love metal, as do you. Hell yeah. Yeah, Metal Twitter. I've met some amazing people on there. It's a great little community. I mean... Yeah, I, I saw you were just hanging out with the bangers and mosh guys. Yep. Yeah, we went to see Undeath and Celestial Sanctuary in London. One of the best shows I've ever been to. Awesome. That, yeah, I saw Undeath um, uh, on the last uh, Black Dahlia tour with Trevor. That wow. was the the one one and only time I saw Undeath and they were very they were awesome it was before uh it's time came out so wow that's awesome so they played Legion yeah 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 I think I don't remember if they had a new song out at that point it was October of la of not this past year but the year before so wow yeah but they just the energy they have like they're just it was really amazing it was a really good night they're just kind of like running everybody over now so yeah they just like exploded in popularity after it's time and i get it it's, it's a good album it's a really good album um yeah it's great i've done a couple of things with alex he was a guest here on the podcast um i've also interviewed him so and he in real life he's just as sweet he's super chill yeah i have not met him but i have talked to him on twitter and stuff he's a, he seems like a real cool dude I'm the first person ever to ask him to sign their skin. <laughs> so what did he sign? Your arm, your leg, your... <laughs> I, put a, I, I put a picture of it on Twitter. He signed like my my wrist, my arm. Oh, my oh nice. Um, you should have left it on and made a stencil and got tattooed on you. <laughs> I, sh I was so close to getting it tattooed and I just got like caught up in it and then I ran out of time and, and now it's washed off. But it was on there. He used like a Sharpie. So it was on there for about a week. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. I, I do wash my hands, I promise. But it was on that <laughs> for a long time. It was great. <laughs> what got you into metal? So, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it was, well, I started listening to music actively in junior high school. Mm -hmm. And the first record I ever bought was um, Dookie by Green Day. And I remember when I saw the video for Basket Case, I was just like, man, this is so high energy and fast and like the guitar sounds so good. And I was really into it. And then I was in chemistry class in 10th grade and I was listening to like, you know, Bush or Live or something like that at that point. 
And there was a couple of metalheads in my chemistry class. And they're like, what are you listening to? And I told them, they're like, no, you should check this out. And he gave me his headphones and it was Enter Sandman. I had never heard Metallica before. Hey, Luke. I'd never heard Metallica before. So uh, when I put it on, I was just like totally blown away. Like, and that kind of what started it. And then, and then that same year I started, um, I started wrestling. Actually, I started wrestling the year before, um, but I started wrestling on the varsity team and they played Pantera in the wrestling room. They played Metallica and we used to run out to uh, for whom the bell toll. So it was really after I heard it the first time, it was sports, you know, psyched up for a wrestling match. So that's where it started. And then it just kind of, you know, it becomes a part of you. You know, it's like it's a part of your DNA at that point. Like once you once it kind of gets its hooks in you. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's how it started. Yeah. I think that's a very common age. When I ask people, like, what got when did you get into metal? It's sort of that age where music really starts to resonate with you and it sort of sticks in your brain. I came from an area of Long Island where, uh, you know, the town next door is where suffocation's from. So there's a lot of kids in my in you know who were older than me and in sports who were into metal so i started listening to a lot more stuff at that point you know initially it started with like the first four metallica records like after i heard the black album and then you know i had a couple of friends trying to get me into cannibal corpse and suffocation and i was not ready for that yet so i didn't really start listening to to death metal until college Mm -hmm. the tree of metal just has so many roots and and branches and leaves and you can pretty much explore all of them and that's that's the fun part about metal twitter especially with you know all the personalities on there posting what they like sometimes posting what they don't like but mostly what they like and that's you know that's great to experience new stuff and find new stuff it is i've discovered loads of new bands on metal twitter and i you know i also get lots of feedback saying that i've recommended people some stuff that they've never heard before which is great i think it's that's why i like the metal twitter community there are a few interesting people on there but apart from there's that, always it's always the case right it's the same in every community right there's always a few nuts right it's, it's okay like, <laughs> as a as a general whole i think metal twitter is a great place absolutely so the reason we're here today is because you actually i asked you to be a guest and i was saying you know do you have any ideas of what you want to talk about and you told me about this really interesting study that um they studied on was it specifically like heart surgeons or was it just surgeons in general I think it was I think it was just surgeons in general yeah I think so that's the one I've read and that when they listen to heavy music specifically ACDC I think was in the one study that you mentioned right yeah um their task speed and their cardiac response um improved and their accuracy improved and I thought that was fascinating like it just shows the effect that um that metal has upon us and then they contrasted that with a sort of control group where they had they played I think they played classical music sort of very typically relaxing music right and um yeah I th- and th- they didn't have the same effect it was the heavy music that increased accuracy and speed and I thought that was really cool but I can google it all I want I have no actual experience of being a surgeon funnily enough so yeah. what do you say what's your take on that those findings so i think like you know i i love i i have music on like all the time like if you see me in my office if i'm doing paperwork or if i'm like 
you know, uh, reading, uh, if I'm walking around the hospital, going from place to place, I have my earbuds in almost constantly. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm always listening. I'm, you know, so in the OR for me, you know, everybody always asks me, do you listen to metal in the OR? And the, the short answer is yes. So, you know, I started making these playlists with, you know, I tried to keep it varied and tried to mix in some other things. So, you know, because the nurses don't like it very much. Like they're, they're you know, you, as you know, there's not many people, at least in my sphere, there's not many people who likes the same amount of the same type of music. So like, and that's kind of been my whole life, even yeah. though like where I grew up, there were people who were older than me. My, my close friends and my relatives didn't really listen to much of what I wanted to listen to. So, um, so what we do is I let them choose whatever they want initially. So a lot of times they'll choose like, you know, the uh, grunge station or the 90s or the 80s. Sometimes it's classical, sometimes it's jazz. And then when I'm finishing the case, I put the metal on. When I'm listening to music that I like, that, and I think that's the key. It's not necessarily just metal, but I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an, an answer why I think it works for surgeons. Um, but in general, when I'm listening to music I like, I was talking to somebody about this, I think it really puts me in what they call the flow state where my, where my mind is just kind of like at ease and my body is moving and I'm doing what needs to be done for the operation. And I'm not, I'm very efficient and smooth. And, and that happens when I'm, when I'm listening to music that I enjoy and that I recognize because, because my head goes there. And even though you have to be thinking on your feet constantly when you're operating, it takes away some of the extraneous you know, stimuli where you're just kind of focused on what you're supposed to be doing. And for me, metal totally does that. So, and I, I can understand that for surgeons for this reason, you know, um, you know, classical music's one thing. And I think that that works for a lot of different people in terms of concentration. But I think with surgeons, like my my career since I was an intern was basically move, 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 move. It's a fast paced kind of thing. So, you know, a, a fast paced rhythm with like thrash metal or like hard rock, like ACDC or Metallica, it's the same kind of pace of your life. So it kind of, it kind of fits with the, with the personality. So I think that's, that may be part of the reason why it works for surgeons so well, at least that's my opinion. Yeah. Well, I think, well, your opinion is more valid than mine. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> what you're saying, fits, no, no. <laughs> a lot of what you're saying fits in with what the um, psychologists sort of surmise because they, they hypothesize that it's the fast tempo that it gives you like a rhythm and to work to. And like you said, it, it's like the same with anything, you know, if you're listening to music, you enjoy it, puts you in that sort of relaxed state and you're just immediately going to be more not necessarily efficient, but just more, yeah, relaxed and in the zone, and yeah. as you said. But they said, I, I was reading the statistics. I, I downloaded like the PDF, like the, the actual article and went through the whole thing. It Changing the music to heavy rock improved their speed and accuracy by up to 8%, which is, it's a small number, but you think just by changing the type of music you're listening to, that's insane. That is quite the number for for just the music like you said and all the other conditions you put it all together to optimize the situation but i think that i feel like it has to be the right personality too because i feel like if you put acdc on with somebody who doesn't like 
heavy music yeah and, or hard rock then it can distract them because yeah, it, it will make, have the opposite a lot of, effect. yeah right a lot of times it will make it will make i've seen surgeons get upset over the type of music that's playing so like you know the, you know they'll be like shut this off or i don't want to hear this or put something else on and you know maybe that just has to do like i said has to do with their personality i think it's like if it was me I can imagine if someone put like country music on or something, I'd be like, turn that shit off. I'm not. Oh my God. So I trained in Manhattan and, um, uh, you know, the, the head surgeon at my hospital was, uh, Dr. David Adams, who's from North Carolina. He's one of the world experts in mitral valve surgery. Mm -hmm. And I, I, he, all he listened to, except during the holidays, during the holidays, it was Christmas music, but all he listened (laughs) to otherwise was country music and it was like hours upon hours of country music and i i thought i was going to lose my mind uh, luckily i had when i was a junior fellow one of my senior fellows listened to hard rock and heavy metal so when i would be in those cases double scrubbed you know because initially when you're learning you you know a lot of times you'll have two fellows scrubbed in one case so initially when i was double scrubbed as soon as dr adams would leave the room he would throw on the hard rock and heavy metal and it was like a reprieve you know but but then when i was a, when i was a senior fellow i didn't have such luck so it was just country music all the time and then you know my wife would be like why are you humming tequila or you know why are you humming like you know what uh luke combs why are you humming that i'm like because i hear it all day long yeah so it does get a little stuck in your head but i definitely it was definitely torture for me with country music yeah, I can imagine. Luckily, I don't know anyone who likes country music. It's not a massive <laughs> thing in Europe. Thank Christ. That's good. Um, but just, you know, when I've seen it on like, in, like films or TV and stuff, my brain is just like, oh, God. So it's it's not my taste. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> it's definitely not my taste either. <laughs> no, and I can imagine. I think it's like anything. If I'm doing something that I'm trying to concentrate on, and I think you could argue that heart surgery is quite an important task that requires a lot of concentration. If someone yeah. puts music on that I don't like, that you don't like, or well, no matter what it is, it's going to distract you. And the same with music that you do like, it's going to help you sort of maybe focus and maybe relax. Now, um, I it's been a I did read that paper, but it's been a while. Did they actually ask the people who they were studying if they liked the music or not? They didn't because I did notice that because that is a very, very important factor. I would like to know if the 8% improvement was manifest in the people who like the music. Absolutely. Because, because what I was going to say is it's not just for me, a lot of times it's not just heart surgery. Like if I'm doing the dishes, if I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. doing chores around the house, I'm putting that on the one time it doesn't work for me. And I learned this over years and years and years, although I did kind of sometimes force it, was studying. Mm -hmm. I could not focus to study while listening to heavy metal. And I think it's because a lot of the times in my mind, I'm anticipating like the the drum beat or the riff or the lyrics. And I start singing it and it distracts me from reading and, and, you know, and taking notes. So like I remember in medical school, what I tried to find was instrumental metal. So that like I could, you know, the lyrics wouldn't be a distraction for me. (laughs) It didn't actually work a lot. I actually listened to a lot of 
I don't know if you've ever heard of scar symmetry, but I listened to scar mm-hmm. symmetry like all throughout medical school. I don't know why, but I found them like on YouTube or something. And because before there was metal Twitter, I was scouring YouTube and, mm-hmm. you know, websites and everything else to try to find stuff. And I remember studying, listening to scar symmetry, but also listening to like classical music, listening to like, um, I'm trying to think, oh, m- movie scores. I like to listen to movie scores when I study. Oh, interesting. Yeah. See, I'm smiling when you're saying this because when I was studying my degree, I was the same. I love, I listen to music constantly when I'm doing stuff, but I couldn't. If I'm trying to read an article, I'm trying to write something. I can't listen to music and write at the same time or read at the same time. Yeah. Because my brain is so absorbed with the music because I'm just loving this music that I can't concentrate on anything else. Yeah, it's funny though. You, it's my Occasionally, like I'll be in the kitchen like doing the dishes with my headphones on and my wife will walk you know walk past me or walk up to me and just be standing there because I'll start like involuntarily headbanging and it's like <laughs> you know she she's like what are you doing what are you doing I'm like I'm doing the dishes like this helps me do the dishes and but I have to take breaks to kind of like either either listen to that part again or do a little headbanging or something you know Absolutely. so but it definitely <laughs> helps me get through that stuff and working out working out too like mm-hmm. yeah there's something about metal for me that like, I just remember, I just remember having this, like being in a wrestling match or a football game and having, you know, discomfort, like pain, like, mm. you know, you're getting thrown around by somebody, you're, this hurts, that hurts. But for some reason, after listening to metal, it's like dulled to some degree. It's, and even when I'm lifting weights, you, you, you don't feel it as much, you know, it's like, because it, it puts you in this zone. And I think that's the same kind of zone of focus you get, I get during surgery. It's just like, you know, you can't break my focus no matter what. No stimulus is going to break it. No pain, nobody walking in the room, you know, only something that's going to change my course of action is going to break the, is going to break the focus. One more thing in that study that they, that they did is that the volume of the music also had an effect. The louder it was, the more concentrated the effect was. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's not surprising because I, I'm just constantly playing it loud. I want to hear it loud. And I feel like if you're listening to metal, it has to be loud. Um, yeah, but I think that also has to do with drowning out all the, all the other stuff that's going on. You know, all the, you know, the, the, it's funny because a lot of times I will, I, I make fun of the nurses because when I get to the point where it's time to switch to the metal, I'm like, okay, can you please put my station on? And they put it on, but they put the volume so low. Mm. And I'm like, could you turn up the volume, please? And then the nurses are like, wait a second, this is too loud now. We can't hear ourselves communicating. And I'm like, all right, fine. So they're fighting me a little (laughs) because they don't want to hear it loud. And me, I want it loud, you know, like, when I'm driving in the car, like I, I was talking to somebody on Twitter, like I blew one of my speakers within the first week because I was just like, it needs to be loud. It does. <laughs> That's the way it is. It does. You think of all the effort they put into mastering it and mixing it and all the sounds they put, like you can just hear, like when you put headphones in, you just hear this other world of like all these noises they've put in, like you can't have it quiet. No, just, no, you, you can't. can't. It's, it's an insult to the musicians. That's how it's, it's a part of the it's part of the experience too like absolutely it really is like if you go like I went the loudest concert I ever I know I see people posting about this all the time but the loudest mm-hmm. concert I ever went to 
was Maryland Death Fest last year. I was up front for a corner and it was so loud. I mean, you can feel the speakers, but it was so loud that if you didn't have earplugs in, you couldn't actually hear the music. That's yeah. how loud it was. So like, but that's the way it is with this music. It has to be loud. Like Absolutely. when people ask me, like, why do you play it so loud? I'm like, there's no other way. Mm -hmm. I agree. There's no other way. It, it's just, that is the way and that's it. <laughs> Yeah. Now that I've, I'm speaking to a heart surgeon, I, I've never spoken to a heart surgeon before. So this is slightly not related to what we're talking about, but how does it feel to literally have someone's life in your hands? Well, I mean, what we try to do a lot of times is make, I was actually talking to somebody about this at the Soulfly concert the other night. So we try to make, because we try to make things routine, right? So you mm -hmm. try to get to the point where you're doing things like, like one of the most common things I do is bypass surgery. And that's like for all surgeons, like the, one of the most common problems is coronary artery disease. People have heart attacks, they have diabetes, they smoke, they, you know, they have genetic predisposition. So you get these, you know, it's not like a heart attack where one of these blood vessels is acutely blocked. It's like you have a blockage that kind of is narrowing the vessel slowly over time. And then there's a mismatch in, in, in supply and demand of oxygen, basically. So you have what's not necessarily, I wouldn't say it's a minor heart attack, but it's a less severe kind of heart attack. So we have a lot of patients like that who have just horribly diseased blood vessels. So we take them and we bypass them. We get more blood flow to the heart muscle. And so initially when you start doing it, yeah, I mean, I was nervous. I mean, like, how could you not be like when I first started scrubbing into heart surgery I was like a fourth third or fourth year resident in general surgery and you know the surgeons knew I was interested so they would let me do some things and I remember shaking like a leaf and like all other types of surgery like not having that problem even when you know a lot of times with heart surgery kind of like you're sewing down in a little bit of a hole right because you're working inside the chest and you you kind of you know position things the way you need them to but you're still kind of sewing far away from yourself whereas if you're sewing like a piece of bowel for instance like if you had to cut out a piece of bowel and sew the ends together that's kind of right in front of your face mm -hmm. so it's a little bit different than you know it's kind of like it's kind of like almost almost like you're playing a video game kind of because you're so far away from what you're working on so I, I remember being nervous but then the more and more you do and the more routine you make it I find that, it, you know, it, and it's just experience, but I find that it helps me not even, not just with efficiency, but it helps me to sort out, you know, minor problems and fix them quicker because I kind of, you know, can anticipate what may happen. And so there are still some cases where, you know, there's nerves. I mean, because like dissections, you know, patients, you, you know, um, well, I can't remember his name from Judas Priest. Um, he had a dissection, the guitarist. Uh, he had a dissection on stage and that's a life-threatening emergency. Like you have, if you don't fix that, you know, every hour is a one to 2% increase in the chance of dying. So wow. you, as soon as you have that problem, you got to get it fixed. And with those situations, it's not like you're, you know, it's not like you're sewing a piece of pants together. It's like you're sewing wet tissue paper together because yeah. the aorta is all destroyed. So so there are certain circumstances where, yeah, if you if there's something that you haven't done as frequently or it's an emergency situation and, and the conditions aren't great where, yeah, certainly you'll get nervous. Um, but I try to 
keep everything. Um, I try to make everything routine and experience helps with that. It's, it's kind of, I mean, there's a lot of times where I'm kind of amazed that, that we even are able to do the stuff that we do. Cause basically for surgery, we clamp off the heart and we, you know, it doesn't have blood flow for a period of time and we work on it and then we restart it. It's like, it's like almost like reanimator. Like you take mm. the clamp, you put the clamp on the heart stops, you take the clamp off, you fill it with some warm blood. It gets, you know, um, gets the muscles start uh, contracting again. And then it starts beating. And it's like, it's amazing. Sometimes, you know, there, are, there are circumstances where, uh, if we're doing certain types of surgery on the aorta where you have to shut off the pump completely, basically. So wow. you drain all the blood out of the patient, you make the patient really cold and you shut off the pump completely and you sew the part that needs to be sewn relatively quickly. And then when you're done, you put the clamp back on and resume. So there's a period of time where there's no blood flowing at all. Usually wow. it's only, it's only a matter of minutes. Um, and that's something that's obviously been extensively dis, uh, studied and, you know, we know that it's safe. Um, but it also, it, we wouldn't be able to do some of the things that we do if we weren't, if we, if we didn't do that. Um, wow, that's mind blowing. Like, yeah, it's really, yeah. Amazing. And you know, it's funny, it, you know, a lot of times now I think about training when you start in training, you agonize over little things like things that, that, that are little now that weren't little back then, like putting in an IV or, or putting in an arterial line or drawing blood on somebody. And now it's like, that stuff is so far in the past. And, and the stuff that I do now that I worry about is, is, is far more serious. But mm. for me, it's like, right. It's like everyday stuff, you know? So I wanted to have you listened to any of my podcast episodes. It's okay if you haven't. It's just if you know the game that's coming up. I I, I have listened to a few. I listened to didn't you do one with the bangers guys? I did. It was my point? first ever episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I listened to that one. Mm -hmm. You know, honestly, I'm podcasts I have a hard time keeping up with because I'm so busy. And then yeah. like I'm trying to squeeze music in. So like you know, I, there's like points where like, it will be weeks and then I'll spend time catching up. So, you know, but I have, I have listened to a few of them. Yes. But totally I, what is this? You have to, you're going to have to tell me the game. Yeah. It's the game we're going to play. It's called gift or curse. So okay. I'm going to give you five things that are just in the world. And you have to tell me whether you think that thing is a gift for the world or a curse upon the world. Okay. Okay. So thing number one, is the internal combustion engine? Is it been a gift for the world or a curse upon the world? Uh, I think it's a. It was a gift that has become a curse. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, you know, I mean, I think you know, we wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't have that, right? So, so you have to you have to understand its importance in history. But now we're getting to the point where we're using it too much. Obviously, right? Mm -hmm. We're using it too much for all purposes of life, driving, you know, manufacturing, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so now it's time to move on to something else. And that will, will, I mean, now we have fusion. So maybe we'll see that very quickly in the future, but that requires humanity to kind of, you know, rethink things and come up with something else. So I'm waiting for that, but it was a gift. Now it's a curse. I agree. Sure. Didn't you just buy... Did you get a hybrid or an electric car? <laughs> I didn't get I didn't get a hybrid. I I wanted to get an electric car. I ended up getting a Porsche. 
which is kind of far, far from electric. So, so yeah, I'm part of the problem. I'm sorry. What can I say? So, you know what? You know, you know I, what? So I don't blame you. My next, my next car will be electric. So the problem with the electric car was twofold. First, we had to, you have to outfit your house, and it's not too big of a deal, but you know it needed a little bit more work in our house. So, mm -hmm. so that caused a little bit of pause. And then second, you know i I wanted to uh, I want to I want to get an electric car that has better technology. Like Tesla, right now is like top of the line. You look at the other electric cars, though, you know the range is lower. Yeah. The technology is not there yet. So I want the technology to be there, but my next car will be electric. Yeah, you posted it on Twitter. Your portrait. So I'm asking, I'm a car nerd and I, I love, I remember you posting that picture now I think about it. Yeah. That's a nice car. <laughs> so it was a gift. Now I guess, yeah, I would have to agree. Number two, non-alcoholic beer or just non-alcoholic drinks in general. Uh, like I think it's a, of drink. Yeah, I think it's a gift because there's a lot of people who have problems with alcohol, and I think that you know they they still enjoy the social situation. Sometimes can I've heard, you know heard people saying that the social situations, even if you know they're dedicated to being sober, makes it uncomfortable. But if, if you have the option to have a non-alcoholic drink and kind of just stand around and talk, but still enjoy, maybe maybe you like my ties, maybe you like uh, you know. Uh, pina colada or something now non-alcoholic beer is a little bit weird because you know and there i like craft beer but there's a lot of like regular beer that's non-alcoholic then why are you drinking that like drink something else but i think it's a gift specifically for people who you know have issues with alcohol and are trying to conquer that and still want to be you know don't want to feel awkward in social situations where there's drinking I, yeah i would agree with that and i like the fact that they usually make their packaging quite similar on the non-alcoholic so you're not standing with like something that sticks out and people are like why are you not drinking beer i can imagine right. that must be really hard like you say if, right. you're, if you're sort of struggling with alcoholism or what for whatever reason also as someone who's been pregnant twice i hate that right shit. right like, i'd go to new year's parties and birthday parties and you just sit there with your glass of water feeling really like because <sighs> you feel just yeah. disgusting anyway right and you can't even have like you can't even join in the social. So having like, I used to drink, um, here they do non-alcoholic champagne. And I had that oh, on my nice. birthday and at New Year and stuff. So I felt just a little bit like included. <laughs> it was nice. So there you go. There's another, there's another situation where it's a gift. Yeah. So you don't just feel like a fat waste of space. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit harsh. <laughs> I mean, it's the hormones, right? <laughs> yeah, true. I I'm not, I, you said it, not me. <laughs> I mean, you have kids, you know. <laughs> yeah, I do. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. Number three. And this for me is a gift and a curse. Bandcamp Friday. Uh, so I, I always want to help and support the, you know, these up and coming bands. Like that's, part of the reason why I like metal Twitter and especially with what K-Man does because there's a lot of metal and a lot of like underground stuff that people know nothing about and some of those bands are going to end up becoming popular and then becoming you know like Frozen Soul you know their demo uh, on death their demo Sango Sugabog their demo they were all underground and now they're kind of like at the head of the scene so 
I like finding out about bands from the get go. And so I think that, I think that uh, we were talking about this. Uh, I was talking about this with somebody from work about how, how these artists are getting completely um, taken advantage of. And so like if, if Bandcamp Friday, if they're actually, you know, giving the money to the artist, then they deserve that. So I think it's a gift and it's a gift for, for us because we're buying the stuff and it's a gift for them because they're getting compensated for it and they're also gaining popularity. So I think, I think it's great. I think the Bandcamp app is a curse, but I think that, <laughs> I think that Bandcamp Friday is a gift. That app, I mean, you can't search for anything in that app. Like I, I have to buy yeah, it stinks. You know, I have to buy stuff on the website and then go back to the app to listen to it. It's like, but what can you do? I mean, Mine's you have to same. admire them for doing, you have to I, admire them for doing something like that, right? I do. I think the whole the idea of Bandcamp and Bandcamp Friday is a gift. The reason, the app, like you said, it sucks balls. And on my phone, like if I lock, <laughs> if my screen locks, the music starts playing. And I'm not walking around with thing- my screen unlocked all the time. The other thing that happens with the Bandcamp app sometimes is it will play, if you start playing the album, it will play the first song and then it will play it again. Yeah. And it doesn't move on. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, I just heard this song and then I go back and I'll, okay, well, it's not really working. But anyway, it's true. <laughs> enough complaining about it. Yeah, it, it is a, it's a gift to the artist for sure. It's a gift to the artist and for us, like you said, the own, not my bank account. That's the only reason. Yeah because i see all these nice things and i'm like fuck, oh, i'm a sucker like if if the, if the thing says limited edition before it i'm buying it like i don't yeah. even care i don't care what it costs i'm buying it like i just bought um loads of bands just did a valentine's day drop like a merch drop and ingested did this hoodie and it said my heart like you make my heart lie still like from their ashes lie still album and it was in pink oh nice pink, and i bought that i i literally oh. I clicked the button before I finished reading what it got. I was <laughs> so for me, Bandcamp Friday is the same. It's like every time I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have spent that, but it's fine. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it's it worth for it. sure. Yeah. The number four on my list, TV adverts. Okay. Funny stories. I was an advertising and marketing major in college before I went to medical school. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do... Um, I, you know, I wanted to do art direction. I wanted to do something creative. I always wanted to go to medical school and then I had cold feet when I was getting, you know, applying to college and I changed my mind. I was like, well, I can just do the, I can just take the prereqs for medical school and then do something creative. So that was my idea. And then I, you know, at the end I had no passion for it, but I can say that I had a lot of fun coming up with advertising ideas. And it was always like, something that would catch your eye or make you think. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, there's all this subliminal stuff. I'm sure that some people do that. But in my experience, it was always, it was always trying to make a connection with somebody who's watching the ad so that they'll mm-hmm. say, you know what, this could work for me, or I could use this, or it could help me, or I like that. And so I think it's a gift you know, because I was an advertising major and I thought, you know, it was fun to think of creative ad campaign ideas. So I'll go with that. But I could see why people would think it's a curse. I think, I mean, advertising is necessary for any business, right? It's just, it's a thing that needs to happen. But the only thing that I would say is 
like I see like I have people my friends some of my friends live in the US and they like the frequency of adverts in the US on TV it's like every like 15 20 minutes you get an advert and um, that that blows my mind because here it's not like that it's like at at the end of the program you'll get like five minutes adverts and then it's the next program Uh, interesting I didn't know that some of the like satellite channels like you get some more adverts but on like the the main channels you, you it's not it's not an issue adding up the like in a one hour program you've got like 15 minutes of adverts in that one hour right and then in the u.s too the whole thing with advertising or advertisements is that it becomes a big deal around the super bowl like mm. the super bowl advertisements are, are you know they're like it was like seven million dollars for like a 30 second clip this wow. year and like but people actually watch the super bowl just to watch the ads like so it is very different you know culturally here but and and also like you know whatever capitalism i guess <laughs> yeah i mean that 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 is to blame for a lot of things so yeah, yeah i guess so now number 5 on my list is one that i ask everyone it's it's a recurring one on my lists and it 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 provides some very interesting answers um flavored condoms gift or curse <laughs> oh my god oh man well i don't even know how to answer this one i apologize because i can i know your kids are like running around (laughs) i mean they have to learn it's fine i would say a curse because it's just gross (laughs) i I mean like who, who wants to suck on strawberry flavored latex like no nobody i mean i i i i don't know any guys who are like yeah, you know, you know, my girlfriend or my significant other, whoever the case may be, enjoys that. I've never heard that before. So I'll say it's a curse. <laughs> Thank you very much for saying that. <laughs> I, I think I remember, do you ask the, the bangers and mosh guys that question? I, I think I remember there was a lot of commotion. Around. I got to go back and listen to that one again. <laughs> go back and listen to it because I, in my recollection, Jimmy, without thinking about it, went, oh, they're a gift. <laughs> <laughs> i was like that's what and they, they, they came to the collective decision that it was a gift and then i had to tell them at the end i was like no but yeah i agree with you i and thank you i have to ask my wife i have to ask my wife ask my wife yes. that when we're done ask your wife she will she will no doubtly agree with you thank you very much for your time oh yeah that was fun i'm glad we were able to make it work yeah, and thank you for yeah, thank you for your answers and telling me, you know, interesting stuff about the surgery. Like I just I think it's fascinating. And everything you told me was just like I have such a huge respect for for what you do and your profession and all the training that goes into it and everything. Like you guys are you're rock stars. You really are. Thanks. I appreciate it. If you want to read a good book, like so I mean, if you think about um you know, architecture, right? So if you're building a building that, you know, people will draw plans and then they'll start building and then, you know, maybe they'll decide that this doesn't work or that doesn't work and they have to change it and maybe they change materials and and nobody ever thinks that's that's an issue. Well, if you go, if you read a book called King of Hearts, um, so that is a book about the early days of heart surgery. This was before they had, the heart lung machine. And um, the biggest problem back then, and it's still a problem now, but the biggest problem they were trying to solve was 
congenital heart disease, you know, kids that are born with heart defects that need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. You know, these kids were, you know, quite frankly, they were suffering because when you have a chronic uh, heart defect, a lot of times you're in the hospital with recurrent lung infections, you know, heart failure. And so, um, you know, there had to be a lot of trial and error for these things. And, and a lot of that book tells that story. And, you know, people don't understand that that, you know, especially in America, they expect perfection, right? But if we didn't, if we didn't do that, and, and there weren't kids that went through that and surgeons that tried the things that they tried to get us to the point now, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. So that's a very interesting book. And it will give you a lot of perspective about how things kind of got to where they are now and and like what the process was. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right. Thank well, you. Thank you for your time and have a nice day. You too. Take care. Thank you. Bye.